scripture reading today is to read 1 Peter chapter 2, I'm going to start reading at verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. May God bless uh, the reading of his word today. There's a little phrase that caught my attention in 1 Peter. From 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12. And uh, it says this. Though they accuse you of doing wrong, though they accuse you of doing wrong, or I translate it this way, when they are speaking against you as evildoers, it's not if they speak against you, it's when they speak against you as evildoers, um, this is the way you should be living. And First Peter is written to Christians in Bithynia, Pontus, northern Turkey, uh, that, at that time, that would have been the far reaches of the Roman Empire, and uh, yet Christians there were being persecuted and having a difficult time living in society, and so First Peter, as he hears about this, he is writing from Rome, uh, very shortly to be killed himself, he writes to them and says, when they speak against you as evildoers, here's the way you should live. And as I read that, I go, well, that describes the world today, describes our culture, as society now views conservative Christians, evangelical Christians, as terrible people, dangerous to society and dangerous to the world. And they say those things about us, that we are one of the number one dangers in society, that uh, how, what, how should we react? What should we be doing? And uh, so this is a sermon, what are we, part number three. So you're hearing part three. If you missed part one and two, too bad. Uh, you'll have to go online and try to catch up. First thing, as a believer, when people are saying evil things about you, number one, you need to know who you are. And the book of First Peter is strong about who you are. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, 
a special possession to God. You are people who have received mercy. You are a people now, even though you were not a people. And you are strangers and aliens in this world. So if things are bad for you, don't worry. It's not your real home. <laughs> your citizenship is somewhere else. Our citizenship is in heaven. If, if things are difficult here, that, well, that's, that's okay. We're in, a foreign, we're in a foreign land as strangers and aliens in this place. So know who you are. Secondly, abstain from the lusts of the flesh which war against the soul. The sinful desires which war against the soul. The passions of the flesh war against the soul. Uh, they are to be controlled by Christians, to be held off, held away from, abstained from. That's how we're going to live lives in this society that make a difference and that people can look at us and say, well, look at those Christians. They're not having these kind of problems. That takes us to today. What should we as Christians be doing in a society where we are spoken of against as evildoers? And uh, you see it right there in verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that they may see your good deeds. Live such good lives that they may see your good deeds. Notice a number of things in the text. Notice we're, we're supposed to live such good lives or have good conduct or a good lifestyle. And this translates into good deeds or good works. And uh, Christians have to be doing good works. That's our answer to people when they say, look how terrible and dangerous you are. And then they look at us and examine us. They will see that our lives are full of good deeds and good works more than anybody else in the world. Uh, notice that they may see your good deeds and then they glorify God on the day he visits us or on the day of his visitation. I used to think, this was my view, that that's saying that they will see what we do and eventually when Jesus returns and they stand before God, they will say, well, yeah, we saw the good deeds that Christians were doing and God will be glorified by that. That used to be my view. If you hold that view, so it can't be a bad view, I had it at one, pie, one time. <laughs> okay. Now, Sam Carr mentioned to me another view. This is a better view. Which now I hold. So it's a good view. It's a, it's a better view that on the day God visits us is on the day you yourself or someone comes to salvation and God comes into their life because they're observing Christians and they see their good deeds and God comes into their life and he visits them and their lives are transformed and they glorify God and I think that's what the text is saying. Now, Sam, when he used to go visiting with somebody, and he went used to visit for Temple Baptist Church, and uh, as, he got, as he went out visiting, 
they used to say, hey, today's the day of visitation. Coming from this text, today is the day of visitation. This is the day maybe God's going to show up in someone's life and they're going to come to Christ. So we need to live such good lives that the nations around us and the worlds around us observe our lives and they say there's something different about those Christians. What is it? It's God himself. That's what's different. And God comes and he visits them and their lives are changed because God is now a part of their life. That's what that text is saying. Okay, now, listen to what First Peter has to say about doing good deeds and living a good life. Just listen. It's not just one place. Here's what he also says, verse 15. It's God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Chapter 2, verse 20. If you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. You were called by God to do good. Because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Or chapter 3, verse 1. Wives, in the same way submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior, lifestyle, conduct of their wives. Chapter 3 and verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good day, days must keep their tongue from evil. They must turn from evil and do good. Chapter 3, verse 16. Keep a clear conscience. So those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Chapter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Serve others. Chapter 4, verse 19. Those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Doing good is what we're called to as Christians, and that's how we are going to respond when people say evil things about us. And I have a number of illustrations. So what does that mean to do good, and how are we going to do that? There are many times in the scriptures that we find stories of individuals who are aliens and strangers and uh, they're persecuted, and yet they live, the, they live a life for God in the midst of strangers and, uh, and difficulty. And uh, one of those is Daniel. You know the story of Daniel. As a young man, probably a teenager, he is taken from his country, and he is taken to Babylon. And when he's taken to Babylon, they change his name because it's too religious, so they change his name from Daniel 
God is my judge or God is my leader, to Belteshazzar. And they changed the friends of all, they changed the names of his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because those are also names uh, about the Israel God. And so they give them names related to the Babylonian gods. So they change their names. They change their culture. They change their education. And you would think teenagers would fall apart. Not those teenagers. They stay faithful to God. The first thing they tried to do is change their diet. You have to eat all these things. This is what the king says you must eat. They won't do it. They go for the vegetables and the water. Um, if you want to come to the potluck today, yeah, go for the vegetables and the water. <laughs> Leave the meat and the dessert for me. Not Daniel. Vegetables and water. And then, when the time came that they had to worship an idol or be killed, they would not worship that idol. They were willing to lose their lives because they wanted to honor God and they would not worship. Or when it came time, when it was against the law to pray, Imagine, against the law to pray, they knew Daniel would still pray. And they watched him. And sure enough, he was praying. And he got thrown into the lion's den. That's living life in the middle of a society that looks at you and says, we don't like your life. We don't like your lifestyle. We want it to change and yet they would not change. They stayed faithful to God. In the midst of great danger. Friday night at, at the book club, I shared uh, a way that Christianity did good deeds in uh, the early church. Uh, one of the reasons why Christianity spread, and uh, this is written by a sociologist, and uh, he says one of the reasons Christianity spread in the first few centuries was because Christians were merciful. And he illustrated it from the ancient cities. Ancient cities were packed in places. And he said, take Rome for an example. Rome had about half a million people. And uh, Rome had wide streets compared to every other city in the world. And there was a law that a street had to be nine and a half feet wide. So that's three meters wide. But he said not everyone followed the law. And where the street ended, the building of the house would begin. So you have these narrow streets. Uh, you could build homes 65 feet high. And so many of them were built that high. And often in ancient Rome, you could hear buildings collapsing just because they were so poorly built. And they were collapsing. Well, you cram that many people into a city, and by the way, all the ancient cities were like that. Um, streets were usually just a narrow path, just enough to get between houses, and that was the street. 
and uh, you would uh, not always take the waste from your house outside the city to dump it into the cesspool pit. Often you would just take whatever was in your house and dump it out the window onto the street. And uh, in Rome, that was a constant problem. You had to watch out for people from the fifth or sixth story just dumping stuff out, and you would get hit by that stuff. Uh, but even when, even when that flowed from the sewer, which was just a little rut down the street, even when that flowed from the sewer, we're talking about untreated sewage that would just flow into the river from 500,000 people. You could smell Rome from a distance away. And you knew where the Tiber River was because it stank. It was just a cesspool river. Now, what does that have to do with Christians? <laughs> Life was miserable. And when disease came, it spread rapidly. And people would just take the corpses and put them out on the street. The wealthy would just flee from the city. The priests of the pagan gods would flee from the city. There would be no one to help you except Christians. Only Christians would take care of the sick. And there, there are two reasons why. Number one, because Christians are commanded to do good and to be merciful to people. And they were. And secondly, Christians were not afraid to die. And so Christians would actually hang around the cities and take care of people that were sick. They weren't afraid to die, and they wanted to be merciful to people. And uh, so Christianity spread. In fact, it was well known among the pagans that Christians looked after people. In 250 A.D., the Bishop of Rome wrote to the Bishop of Antioch and said, we have 1,500 widows that we're taking care of. 1,500. Nobody else in society would look after widows. The Christians did. Christians were merciful. Um, it caused the, it caused, the, caused the religion to spread because it was real. I was looking for examples in our own church of uh, good deeds, people doing good deeds. I thought of uh, Bob Owens. Uh, Bob Owens passed away um, a few months ago. And uh, it was interesting. Bob uh, had a neighbor by the name of Fran, and Fran couldn't get around. And so Bob drove her places. Bob brought her groceries. Bob visited her. Even when she moved to Thedford, Bob still visited her in Thedford. Bob so wanted to help out at our church that he would uh, come from Bright's Grove to change our sign because he wanted to help here in Baptist Church. And even when Bob stopped driving, he got his sister to drive from London to pick him up in Bright's Grove to drive him to Huron so he could change the sign. And I said to Bob, I said, Bob, that doesn't seem very cost-effective. He said, I don't care. And Bob was here every Sunday to usher because he wanted to help people. I wrote, I wrote down Cliff. 
Cliff's here today. Cliff, Cliff, Cliff would often visit Dave. Remember visiting Dave there, Cliff? And Cliff would go and pick up a coffee, and he would go and visit Dave. Dave was uh, agoraphobic, so he, he wouldn't go out and visit anybody. And so Cliff would go and visit him and talk to him and share with him about the Lord. Always bring him a coffee because he wanted to do good for him. Or I wrote down Dan Barodi. Uh, Dan Barodi has a band called Barodi Band. <laughs> Not very original title. And uh, Dan's band plays in nursing homes around town. And probably about 50 times a year, eh, Dan? 50 times a year. Listen, that's just doing good to people. Just doing good. And the seniors love it. They love that entertainment, but it's not just seniors that love it. Their families think this is wonderful. The staff think this is wonderful. This is what Christians should be doing, doing good to others. Our lives should be full of good deeds. Rosario Butterfield was a lesbian feminist professor at Syracuse University. And she was writing a book on the religious right and the people that the religious right hated. And she happened to have a neighbor. His name was Ken Smith a conservative Presbyterian pastor. Wonderful. Not only can I write a book about it, but I can study it firsthand. And uh, he and his wife would often invite Rosaria over to visit in their home. They established a relationship with her, and over the course of two years, would have her into their home, talking about her, sharing their faith with her, she came to Christ. Came to Christ because someone was willing to open up their home and open up their lives and share their lives with her. That's what Christians should be doing. One of the commentaries I read on 1 Peter said that as he looks at this, he says, when pagans look at our good deeds... They should be looking at the deeds that they, they also consider to be good. For instance, who helps drug users? It should be Christians. Who helps those who have AIDS? It should be Christians. Who, who, helps, who helps those who nobody else wants to have anything to do with? It should be Christians, and the world looks at that and they say, well... Those are commendable things to do. There is something wrong when we're saying they are dangerous people and they're terrible people. They're the ones that are doing all the good deeds. That should be us. And so I wonder this morning, is your life full of good deeds? Is the world going to be able to say, yes, look at what they're doing. That is what I want that is the lifestyle our world needs because I see what they are doing. That's what First Peter says should be our answer. To the, when they accuse of us of doing wrong, we should be living such a good lifestyle that they see our good deeds and glorify God. Two more parts yet to come to the sermon. 
Number one, the default setting for Christians with regard to everyone we meet should be submission. Okay? We're going to look at that. And number two, Christians should be ready with an answer to describe the hope that, with, that is within us. We should be able to explain the gospel to people. Every single one of you. Jesus wants us to. God requires it. Peter says you should be ready. Let's get ready.